at Sunday Surefire, we have a vision. And that vision is to dish out the most sound fantasy and bending advice in the industry. And guess what? It just so happens that our brand new sponsor at KYMZ Oils has a vision too. Together, we'll give you the fresh picks and KYMZ will give you all the fresh scents. Beautiful match. All you got to do is Google KYMZ Oils and try out their top seller, Vision, to start smelling fresh today. Make sure to use promo code KYMZ Surefire for an extra 5% off. That's KYMZ Oils. Remember, just Google it. You'll find it. First thing that comes up, promo code KYMZ Surefire. Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Kamish. Joining me today is my guy, Ethan Weaver. Hey, Kamish. Good to be back. Good to have you back, my man. Also rejoining the pod this week is my, my other guy, Aaron Downtown Brown. What's up, my man? Hey. He's back. The boys are back in town. All three of us back on the set. I missed you both here last week for sure. But uh, glad to have a full house heading into this week. Uh, we're going to be talking some buy and sell candidates on the dynasty front. So it's going to be a good, hard-hitting week of content here. There's going to be some high-profile names and some uh, some older names, too. Guys who are getting longer in the tooth that are uh, going to be making our lists. So a lot to get through. Did want to start out by just a, tossing a quick reminder out there regarding our best ball leagues coming up. Uh, we're really, really looking forward to that. We're trying to get as much involvement from the fantasy community as we can get. The more people we can get involved with these these contests, the better. So if you want to reach out, they're going to be on Sleeper. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Sunday underscore Surefire. Check us out on Instagram as well as or Facebook. Again, there's a contact section on our website, sundaysurefire.com. If you want to reach out to us there, we're very accessible. Please feel free to reach out. We'd love to have you in our leagues this uh, for this season. But uh, let's get right into uh, the buys and the sells. We're going to start with the sells for this segment here. And Aaron has a, has a name he wants to toss out. So we'll just give it right to you, my man. Who do you got for us? Who are you selling in uh at this point in the dynasty off season? All right. Yeah. I'll kick it off here. And it, uh, it pains me to say this uh, player. Um, I'm going to sell DK Metcalf. Um, like I said, I like the player. Um, I actually like the story that Seattle kind of turned it around. I think we all thought they were going to kind of be a joke of a team. And Carol was probably in his last years, but they really turned it around last year. Um, but I think I'll just start off by just, you know, um, talking off some statistics from, uh, 2022, um, 141 targets. So pretty healthy there, 90 receptions and just over a thousand yards and six tutties. Right. So, um, although getting those targets is something that I do like to look for, um, there is a couple, um, you know, I guess moves in the off season that I'm, I'm kind of worried about. Uh, when you compare his stat line, um, you know, in the uh, player to his profile, um, you know, breaking the thousand yards, you know, that's that's usually like an ante that you want your from a, your starting wide receiver on a fantasy team that to get. But just going forty eight yards over the thousand mark doesn't really move the needle too much for me. 
um, in the Geno Smith ran offense. Um, if you compare the 141 targets to other players around that uh, target range, um, you get players like AJ Brown, right? Where he he had 145 targets, went almost had 1500 yards and 11 tutties, right? So obviously a monster year. Um, if you don't think that's fair, you can actually just also look at his counterpart in Philadelphia um, with 136 targets, 95 receptions, and went um, almost 1,200 yards, right? So what does that tell me is, um, you know, Geno Smith is a dink and, dink and dunk quarterback uh, where he's not really looking for those big plays. I think, you know, DK can bust open those 40, you know, 40-yard touchdowns, um, but it's, it's really when he, he wins at the line of scrimmage where Geno, um, you know, can can have those longer receptions to DK. So um, I don't mind selling DK, DK here where, um, you know, you do have Seattle is emerging team. Um, but, you know, when I talked about some offseason moves, um, what does that do um, in the upcoming years with uh, JSN now um, on the team and now Charbonnet, right? So JSN tells me that, you know, hit out of, you know, the volume he's producing, um, now he's got to share those targets with another player, right? With Charbonnet added to the team, we know Pete Carroll loves uh, toting the rock, right? I mean, the years of Legion of Boom and, you know, running the ball, I mean, that's really what Pete Carroll always wants to do. Uh, that's what he kind of made his coaching career uh, success with is running the ball, right? So I don't like those two trends um, going into 2023 and beyond with DK. Um, so combination of added competition and then just, you know, really a couple of years in a row where he's not really putting up these high prolific years in an offense ran by Gino where, like I said, he's, he's really looking to the short and intermediate routes. Um that's my primary reasons uh, for selling DK this year. No, I have to tend to agree with uh, uh, Aaron there. I just think with JSN and Charbonnet coming into the mix, I think his opportunity uh, share is going to go down. Uh, DK had 141 targets, as Aaron mentioned, which was uh, number 11 for um, wide receivers there. And his target share was 25.5%. I see both those numbers dropping. And he's played uh, full games the last two seasons, played all 17 games. And he's been uh, a wide receiver too, a high-end wide receiver too. But with those uh, with those targets and target share and a profile like DK, you, you'd hope he'd uh, move into the wide receiver one range. And now with the addition of JSN and Charbonnet, I just don't see him getting the targets that he, that he needs, at, le at least this year anyways to return value when Lockett moves on that that'll definitely open up the uh, targets again, but who knows, maybe JSN takes over as the uh, target monster there. Who, maybe Geno Smith takes a step back. Who, who knows? But um, DK is definitely on, on my sell list, especially for this year. If, if somebody still values him as a wide receiver one, I, I would definitely look to move on because I just don't think there's enough in, in Seattle um, in terms of opportunity to go around. Cause as uh, Aaron mentioned as well, Pete Carroll loves to run the ball and they just drafted uh, a running back in the second round in back-to-back -back years. So I think there's going to be up, an uptick in carries and Geno Smith's not going to be uh, chucking the rock as much. So I do think DK is a, is a solid sell candidate. 
Yeah, it does come back to the fact that there's only one football to go around in an NFL offense. And it's a crowded group of skill players overall at just about every position in Seattle at the moment. Uh, Ethan alluded to a lot of people having, you know, him ranked highly, you know, the DLF rankings have him as our, as WR 12 overall. So right on the fringe of the WR one rankings. So there, you should be able to, to get a decent return for him. If you're moving off from him at this moment in time, Aaron, if you were going to, going to try to trade DK away, what would you be looking to get in return? Like what's the, what's the sell point for you? Oh, you know what? Let, let's save that for my buy guy. I, I got a surprise later on when we switch to buys. So I'm going to save that for a perfect trade uh, candidate. Aaron right out of the gate is teasing us with, uh, <laughs> with the return that, that he needs to get for for the the mutant that is DK Metcalf. So we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. And Ethan, we'll just kick it right over to you for your first sell candidate. What do you got for us out of the gate? Yeah, out of the gate, I'm going to sell Travis ETN. I know... ETN is he's a, he's a very valuable asset right now. Uh, he's he's rated uh, RB seven according to DLF overall um, player uh, number twenty one. Uh, he was RB seventeen overall in half point PPR last year. And I just think ETN everybody just assumes that he's this like great receiving back out of the backfield, and he's going to command all these targets and he's going to be very efficient with these targets. But that's just not what has happened through his first two seasons. Obviously, his rookie year was lost due to injury. But uh, if we're looking at uh, PFF, he had a receiving grade of 56.7, which was 39th among, among running backs. and was actually 17. And then that rank was 17 spots behind his teammate, Jamichael Hasty. And Jamichael Hasty, um, by all accounts, isn't uh, an elite running back in the NFL. So I just think Travis Etienne, where he's being valued at RB7, we're just assuming that he's going to have this huge uh, pass game role. And I just don't see that going forward. He only had two games over four targets with, and that's with him having a 59.4% snap share, which obviously that's right around the 60%, that kind of quote unquote workhorse role. But I think his snap percentage is going to go down and with his high snap percentage as it was, he only commanded a uh, 7.8% target share. So he's not commanding the targets and he's not doing much with those targets. And Doug Peterson typically uses a running back by committee approach. They just drafted tank Bigsby in the third round of the NFL draft, which was, I mean, uh, Doug Peterson, obviously tank Bigsby is his um, pick at running back in, in, in this year's draft while, uh, ETN was Urban Meyer's draft selection in the first round, and Urban Meyer actually wanted Kadarius Tony, but uh, obviously Kadarius Tony went to the Giants before uh, the Jags could take him, so he he picked his guy ETN from Clemson. From Clemson, so uh, who knows what how Doug Peterson truly feels about ETN? Um, I, I think they're going to be using uh, Tank Bigsby and ETN, and potentially still Jamichael Hasty. In that uh, RBBC, uh, I just think um, at his current price of RB7 and the role that I guess his fantasy managers, the role that we're anticipating him to have, I just think is not reality. I, I For him to return RB7 value, he needs to be a monster on the ground because he's not, he's not, he's just not giving you what we think he's going to give us in the receiving game. So that's why Travis ETN is on my sell list. 
I hear you where you're coming from on ETN for sure. He was billed as this great pass catching weapon. We just haven't seen it based on all the stats that you mentioned. The uh, you know, you might think like, oh well, well, it's a good offense, they're gonna be better. He does have touchdown upside, and that certainly is the case. I won't argue that. Like, I'm pretty high on the Jacksonville offense heading into 2023 myself, but there is also an element of a mobile quarterback here. You know, you don't necessarily think of Trevor Lawrence as a guy who's running around the yard, but in his two seasons as a pro, he's averaged over 300 rushing yards per campaign, and he has a total of seven rushing touchdowns through two seasons as well. So the big out for ETN is to punch the ball into the end zone. If he if he's you know is the guy at the goal line, which is also a question mark, you know that is on the table. But you have to remember that the rushing from the quarterback can also eat into that in a negative way as well. Aaron, do you have any any final thoughts on ETN before I ask Ethan what uh what he'd be willing to sell ETN for? Uh, yeah, a little bit here. I mean, I mean this is why I love to uh, I love our chemistry here with the show because I think we all have different different approaches at times. Um, you know, I I think with ETN here, this is one of the cases I like to go back to where you know you can compare different stats, but. I like to also look at the division and knowing that, you know, the direction that Jacksonville is going. Um, I do look at them as an ascending offense. Um, you know, they built, they, they really didn't catch on a lot of steam till, you know, mid season where Etienne also had to beat out James Robinson, where, um, you know, it may seem like it might not be too hard to do, but he, James Robinson was actually killing it at the start of the year last year. And it was kind of screwing over a lot of Etienne uh, owners at the beginning of the season, but um, I do think if you look at, um, you know, the other teams in the division with Houston um, struggling and, and the Titans as well, you know, who knows what we're going to get from them. Um, usually, I, you know, I guess talking about the teams to lead a division, um, I think I, I mentioned a lot in season with like DFS lineups. Um, I really love running backs on winning teams, right? That's usually – I mean, I, th- I think I've probably had that strategy since I was like 12 years old is usually grab the running back on a, on a winning team. So I do think ETN will still put up a lot of, um, a lot of numbers this year. Um, but I definitely do see the hesitation with just, you know, the historical approach with Peterson and, you know, maybe if uh, big speed takes some goal line carries away from him as well. So um, I see some of those points, but I, I do have to kind of go old school a little bit with, uh, with my thinking as well. I'll toss this out too on the on the uh, on the running running defenses they're facing. Houston, you're absolutely right about they were absolutely dreadful on the ground. They were in the bottom four in yards per carry allowed. However, Tennessee and Indianapolis, oddly enough, are both in the top top uh, or the bottom four, I should say, in yards per carry allowed. So it is a he they do have three four games on their schedule against teams that are actually sneaky good at defending the run. At least they were a season ago. These things do change from year to year, but I I you know they're. They are returning at least a solid core of their run defense. So just another thing working against ETN. I did want to point that out quickly. But Ethan, well, this is your guy here. No, you're moving on from him. He is relatively high profile. Um, so just let let us know now what you uh what you would need to get in return if you were going to sell him at this point in the offseason for a guy who is ranked pretty highly uh, on DLF. He is ranked RB seven at the moment. So what do you need in return? Yeah, I think it kind of depends if you're a uh, contender or not. If you're a contender, I would, I would be okay moving, uh, tearing down from Travis Etienne. I, I know that the, the backs behind him in, in rankings in their ways, it, it, you have Ramondre Stevenson there. You have Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, um, JK Dobbins. I mean, even again, going a little further down uh, my guy, Zach Charbonnet there, but uh, a lot of those names, 
if I could get anything on top of those players for ETN, I would definitely consider it. Uh, so a lot of those players that I mentioned are, are, in my opinion, are a lot safer than Travis ETN. As, as I allude to, I just think Travis ETN, we, we all think he's this great pass catcher. And in reality, that's just not the case. So who knows what it's going to be going forward. As I mentioned, uh, he's not a Doug, he's not a Doug Peterson draft pick. Uh, Doug Peterson drafted Tank Bigsby in the, in the, in the third round. So who knows what kind of role he's going to have. So, I would be I would be okay as a contender to tear down. Um, honestly, it's not even really a tear a tear down. I should say in terms of like, hey, win, win now. But in terms of, I guess, uh, RB rankings and, and dynasty rankings. But um, if I'm a uh, a rebuilding team, I, I would accept if I could get a, a 24 first. I was projected mid. I would probably move ETN pretty quickly for that. Just considering ETN, this is going to be his, his third season. Uh, I know he has, he's a first round pick. So the, the Jacksonville Jaguars do have that fifth year option on him. But uh, I think this 2024 class is looking pretty good. So I would need, I would definitely need a first to move on from, from my Travis ETN. Cause he still is. I still think he's going to be a productive back for your team. But uh, if you're a, uh, a rebuilding team, I think, I think any any 24 first is a, a pretty legitimate offer for a, uh, for a running back there. I think if you were looking to move on from Travis Etienne for a first round pick, then you could probably get that deal done like immediately almost uh, because teams, even in the middle of the road teams think if they think they're a contender and they want to add a running back, this is the time to add those final t- uh, pieces of your champ, which you hope is going to be your championship run. I think you could probably get that done pretty easily. I think I'd actually hold off for a little bit more in a rebuild than just a single first. Aaron, what do you think about that return? Yeah, I probably agree with you. I think, you know, build on the hype a little bit, try to get as much as you can. And I mean, maybe at the very least a top five, 24 first, but I usually try to squeak other players into the deal too. So um, I like to at least try to get a, you know, two piece uh, trade. Yeah, no, I know. I definitely hear where you're coming from. I, I would want it, it's it's tough sometimes with these with, with these with these running backs. I just think if you were guaranteed a top twenty five a top five twenty four first, I would take that in a heartbeat for Travis Etienne. Just looking at, I mean, you're talking about uh, Kale Williams, Drake May, Brock Bowers, Marvin Harrison as a junior as your top four r- right there. And then there's there's going to be um, a lot of players g- getting a lot of steam uh, coming up. So it's I know it's tough to to move stud players who are going to score a decent amount of fantasy points for a single first. I I do agree. I I definitely probably would want more than just a single twenty four first. If it's a if it's a projected early first, that's one thing. But if it's mid to late, I would I would I agree. I, I would I would definitely need need a little more. It's fun about this exercise is that we're all talking really high-profile players right out of the gate there. and talking? It's fun to talk about what you would need to get in return for them. And before I mention my guy here, this is another high-profile guy. Uh, just know that, like, we don't – like, Ethan doesn't hate Travis Etienne. He's, he's not swearing him off his, his draft lists or his, you know, dynasty lists. Aaron doesn't hate DK Metcalf. He's not swearing him off either. Uh, I'm not swearing off T. Higgins, who I'm about to, to rip a little bit here. It's really just to get – these are guys that are – that are valuable in the dynasty community at the moment. You know, these are, these are younger players that you can get a big return for. And if we don't think that the production is going to be there this season, or I mean the next couple of seasons, like this is the time for you to move on. This is the time for you to acquire multiple future draft picks. This is the time for you 
to go ahead and tear down and pick up a draft pick in the process. So just know that we don't, we don't hate these guys completely. We want them on our dynasty rosters. We just think there's value to be had in moving on from them. And I'll just dive right into T Higgins here. Who's currently D- uh, dynasty league football's WR seven. He's 24 years old this season. And you know, the reality that no one wants to talk about with T Higgins is that he's not a consistent difference maker, sort of in the ilk of a DK Metcalf that we touched on right out of the gate here. Uh, he does have some respectable overall finishes on his resume and half PPR scoring. He's finished WR30, WR22, and WR17 thus far in his career. But you know, it's not like he's finishing in like a top five to five to ten range here. And he's again, he's ranked WR7 per DLF at the moment. Um, and if those those metrics that he's finished is backed up, if you examine the, his the the target counts that he's seen in his three years, he's the only receiver currently ranked in DLF's top twelve that has never finished in top 25 in targets per game. His highest mark in that in that category came last season at 30th. And so as long as he's in Cincinnati, he's not going to see more volume than Jamar Chase. And he's also played 42 games in his career and finished as a WR1 just eight times thus far. So he does give you some high floor games in there, which are good. But at that high, high price tag, we're talking about guys who are who should be premium assets in this case. So the next four guys on the list behind T. Higgins are players like Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Olave, Devonta Smith, and Tyree Kill. Personally, I would take all four of those players before I took T. Higgins if I'm a contender. Maybe in a rebuild, you could talk me into Higgins over Tyree Kill simply based on the age factor. I'd probably lean in that direction. But if I have if I have designs on competing in 2023, like Tyree Kill is going to be one of the most targeted receivers in the game again this season in an offense that he proved that he could score a ton of fantasy points in, in 2022. So I do, I do think I can get a good haul for Higgins, which is, of course, why he's on this list. Uh, I would sell him here, if, like I said. I'd, just, I'd sell him for any of those four receivers I mentioned that are that are behind him. And if I can tear down a little further, I'd entertain that as well. Now, if, we, if I can tear all the way down to someone like a Jerry Judy, perhaps, and or maybe a Michael Pittman, maybe even Jordan Addison, if I can get my hands on him. You know, those guys are ranked down the list here um, on, the, on the running back ranks. On the, sorry, on the, on the wide receiver ranks. But if I can tear down from there and I can grab like even a late first round pick in an upcoming draft, even if I have to wait till 2025, I'm okay with doing that. You know, and this this tear down might be reasonable. If you even if you show someone these rankings and say, look, they these guys have T. Higgins all the way up at WR7. Like Jordan Addison's WR24, Jerry Judy's WR26. Brandon Ayuk, even if you want to put him in that mix, is WR28. Like, so if I can move down that far, looks like a big jump in the rankings. But if I pick up a guy who I think might has have a chance to really outproduce his current ADP or his current ranking at the moment. And I can pick up some draft capital in the future. I don't have any, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't look to do something like that. So those are my thoughts on, uh, on Higgins, Aaron. What do you think about that? Um, I like that call there. I, I think, you know, I, I make no secret that I really don't like wide receivers that they got to compete for targets, especially having chase over there too. So uh, you mentioned a lot of other good right, uh, wide receivers there. I'm on Ross St. Uh, St. Brown, as you said, like, I would I would take him over Higgins in a heartbeat, as you said, right? So he I really like the target hogs, um, you know, not the touchdown dependent guys. So um, I don't have a whole lot of disagreements uh, with Higgins uh, and on that take. So um, I'm gonna have to agree with you there. Yeah, and to, to jump in, I 100% agree with the commish here. I've always uh, I've to, I've told you many times, commish, that I I wish I had. Uh, T Higgins on one of my rosters so I could sell T Higgins because <laughs> yep, uh, yep, I said that to me <laughs> many times. And um, I just think T Higgins is one of the most overrated receivers in fantasy football. 
as you alluded to, I mean, he's played three seasons. He's never been a wide receiver one. His closest approach to a wide receiver one was wide receiver 18 last year. And he's the most targets he's ever had was 110. I just don't, I, I just don't see. I mean, if I can tear down and get a first on top of Judy, Ayuk, any of those guys, I mean, I do that in an absolute heartbeat. So the fact that T Higgins is valued at wide a wide receiver one at this point, and he's never even approached wide receiver one overall. I'm what wide receiver top 12 wide receiver is, is, is kind of, kind of crazy, but I mean, Tegan's is just one of those guys that just his value kind of just stays put. And he's, he's kind of always ascending. He's part of a great offense, obviously with Joe Burrow, but um, I guess on the flip side, this, we, we are going into his final year of his rookie deal. And, you know, you you know the the Bengals are gonna be paying um, Jamar Chase. I mean, and, and obviously it's gonna be tough to, you know, you know Higgins is gonna want a lot of money. So I guess if you did acquire T Higgins now, and and then maybe you just um, ride it out this year, maybe he does go to another team where he's the the clear alpha wide receiver one. But a, as of now, I, I would um, I would definitely be looking to tear down off T Higgins and acquire some of the receivers that you mentioned and, and hopefully pick up some uh, additional draft capital. I will say objectively speaking here that 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 isn't out for T Higgins in the long run. If he is out of Cincinnati after this upcoming season, and it's kind of odd to say that because you don't typically want your fantasy receivers moving away from elite level quarterbacks like the Cincinnati Bengals have in Joe Burrow. But thus far it's just shown, especially after the arrival of Jamar chase, that it's really tough for him to uh, for him to be viable on, on, or I shouldn't say highly viable on his own each and every week. So that is that is something uh, that could be coming down the down the road. The problem with buying him now, of course, is that you're paying the WR seven price tag, so he's expensive to buy. So I, I just think he's in a tough spot there. But that's enough talk on T Higgins, Aaron. Let's uh, let's let's flip the script here. We were negative out of the gate here, uh, so let's go to some positives. Who do you want to buy in on, Aaron? All right. So I hinted to my little surprise or, you know, who, who would I want in return if I was selling DK Metcalf? I'll go right into it here with my buy now uh, candidate in the season. Um, I'm going Traylon Burks. Um, you know, I guess it's a, a hot take alert alert as well. Right. So um, understanding that, you know, Burks is, was probably somewhat of a disappointment in some uh, for some fantasy owners last year, you know, drafting them um, probably, you know, top five picks at times in last year's rookie draft, right? Only playing 11 games. Um, but, you know, really, Tennessee really didn't rebuild. They're not building that wide receiver core um, in this offseason. They didn't draft anyone. Um, you know, Burks is going to come back year two, I believe, you know, being that number one target. Um, you know, looking at just rookie wide receivers in general, you know, their year two – uh, year is almost 90%, 90% of the time it is better year two than year one. So they're going to get better, right? They usually have the first couple game jitters. Um, in Burke's case, he was injured as well, right? Um, but coming off injury, right, um, kind of looking more towards like week, week 10 when he was kind of more, you know, fully in shape. Um, Burks, Burks started um, showing you why he had that high draft capital, right? He But put together um you know 15 plus uh fantasy weeks you know against uh denver green bay it's 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 a player where 
I think it's one where if he can pounce on some, you know, fantasy owners that they may be disappointed in Burks. Um, you know, if you do have DK, uh, you know, maybe trade DK for Burks and then some, right? You know, this is one of those two or th- maybe even a three for one, right? You might be able to, you know, that fantasy owner really might want to um, sell Burks right now. And I'm I'm saying, you know, when people want to sell, buy, right? So um, I think with Burks being the number one um, target in Tennessee next year, I think he, he'll definitely is a, a candidate where, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm comparing him to Metcalf, right? Um, you know, looking from week 10 on, he was getting his targets, right? With, you know, eight against Green Bay, eight against Dallas, seven against uh, Jacksonville, right? So those are all playoff contending teams as well, meaning um, that's the direction that Tannehill is, um, is looking. Um, they also hired a new passing game coordinator and quarterback coach, right? So they, um, they know they do have some work to do in the passing game, which means, um, you know, they're going to get the number one target more involved, right? But, um, really just comparing the two, uh, with Burke's, you know, 11 games as healthy games, he was putting up, um, the, the almost identical numbers as DK, with um you know with the eight eight targets a game the 15 plus fantasy points um you know dk really um on on average was only give, giving you about eight points week to week so if that's what um Traylon was doing in a short sample size i'm willing to risk it if you can also get more assets out of the trade like that too so um understanding is a little bit of a hot take but i like i said i i'd rather go with a guy who I know they're going to try to work the game around and a guy that um, has to fight a lot of targets, right. With, with some new additions to the team. So that was my uh, surprise there kind of um, hot taken with Traylon, but I think he has a strong um, season too. Ethan, talk to me about uh Traylon Burks and maybe some of that with uh, DK mixed in there as well. I like Traylon Burks. I think he has an opportunity to take off in year two. He came onto the scene with a ton of hype. Um, I mean, planning, he was a man amongst boys at, at, at Arkansas and we had high hopes for him coming in the NFL and it didn't start off very good where, it, I mean, he just wasn't conditioned. He just didn't seem like he put in the work to be a productive rookie wide receiver. And it looks like that's starting to turn around. I mean, the reports right now at OTAs um, the last, over the last few weeks is that he's, just a different player. Uh, he's thinned out and he's just ready to work. And as uh, Aaron alluded to, I mean, there's not much target competition whatsoever. We're talking about Kyle Phillips, Nick West, Nick Westbrook, Akeen, uh, Akeen, uh, Chico Conquo. And obviously, I mean, you have the, the running game to contend with, but Traylon Burks, if he doesn't, if he isn't the alpha this year, uh, he probably will never be the alpha because he does not have a lot of competition at all. And I, I do see a, a scenario where Burks, if he does take that step, clearly gets more targets potentially than a DK Metcalf. I, I would still be hard-pressed to, to take Burks over DK, especially um, especially like in, a, in a redraft sense or just a 2023 sense. But um, I'd definitely take DK over him uh, just because I just feel like it's a safer pick. But I definitely see... Um, a, a chance that Traylon Burks takes off uh, with the lack of competition and maybe he is viewed in, in, in a similar light at the end of the year. Obviously, those are lofty expectations. I just think Traylon Burks has the talent and there's nobody in his way to, to prevent him from getting 140, 150 targets. 
And if, just to add a tiny bit more to that as, as well, last season really was a mess of a year for the Titans all around, especially when you factor in Chillon Burks as a rookie. You know, he wasn't exactly ready to go right out of the gate. He suffers an injury in the middle of the year, and then he comes back and gets a concussion um, towards the end of the season. And then by the time he gets back, Brian Tannehill's gone. So he never really got a chance to build any rapport with Tannehill before they put in the, the, the dumpster fire that was Malik Willis uh, in his rookie year. So uh, if you want to point to some optimism, there was a very small window in there, like Aaron, Aaron alluded to it. Um, there's a three-game stretch between weeks 11 and 13 where Burks turned 15 targets into 12 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown. And then, like I said, the concussion popped up and it kind of ruined any type of chemistry he had going on with Ryan Tannehill. So we've seen small, small flashes of it. The team with their actions didn't bring anyone else in. So uh, if you're a believer on Burks and that ability we saw in Arkansas, then now's, now's your time to buy. Uh, just know that there is some uh, some risk in there involved. But Aaron, before we put the pin in Burks, like what would you what would you be willing to pay for him if you're say say DK is not involved in this at all? Like say you're just trying to buy him, you're going to the market. What in terms of draft capital would you be willing to spend in future picks for him? Probably like an early second. Um, you know, if you have that available um, on your team, definitely picks right because that's always um, that's always. Uh, you know, interesting to the owner, like I said, especially if uh, you might have some frustrated owners out there. So uh, get a, get a low second or maybe like a late first or mid first or something like that. And um, maybe throw a little piece in there too, but um, I'd be willing to risk it there for, for trail on looking what he's, uh, what he's got ahead of him. And he's a, he's a married man now too. Like you said, I I, I think they, (laughs) you know, they've seen a difference in, uh, you know, his demeanor and whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, we all know what, uh, you know, a good partner in your life can, can do to change your, your behavior there. Right. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's a little extra info for you guys. (laughs) We are, we are all, uh, we all have have long term significant others here, so we understand uh, why you're coming from with that. A good woman can straighten you out for sure. But uh, Ethan, let's move on to your guy. Who are you bullish on this year? Who do you want to buy at this point in the off season? Yeah, so I'm bullish on this on this guy, and I just think he's just being undervalued. Uh, and this uh, wide receiver is Deontay Johnson. Right now, DLF, DLF has him as wide receiver 35 overall, 68. He just turned 27 July 5th. And uh, this past year in 2022, he didn't have, obviously he didn't have his best year in half point PPR. He was wide receiver 30. Um, and I just think this is, that is his absolute floor. He's definitely in line for some positive TD regression as he had zero touchdowns last year. I don't see that happening again through his first three seasons. He had five, seven and eight touchdowns. So I think uh, he is going to um, regress to the mean um this uh upcoming year uh he also had to deal with a rookie a rookie quarterback and Kenny Pickett who who showed some improvement as the year went on but in 2021 Deontay Johnson was wide receiver eight he was just a PPR machine I know Ben Roethlisberger was his quarterback but he was commanding targets um, at a dangerous rate and I think he can get back to that form with Kenny Pickett they moved the Pittsburgh Steelers moved on from Claypool uh, at the deadline last year. And at that time, Claypool was averaging six point six and a quarter targets uh, through those first eight games. And right now, the only competition he has, uh, main competition anyways, he has is George Pickens and uh, uh, Pat Fryermuth. And I just don't think Pickens is the player that everybody thought he was. So I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the clear alpha 
in this uh, in this offense. I just think he's going to create the separation needed for a young quarterback. And I think Kenny Pickett and him are going to have a pretty good rapport uh, this year. Um, uh, like like George Pickens, he only had a fifteen point six percent target share last year, which is which is pretty low. Um, Deontay Johnson had a 27% target share last year. It didn't really, it didn't amount, which was number 13 overall, um, amongst, uh, receivers, which is, I mean, surprising that he only finishes wide receiver 30, but zero touchdowns will do that to you. Um, but, uh, also just Deontay just seemed like he just had a down year. Um, in 2021, in, in 2021, he had a 1.89 target separation grade per PFF, which was number 10 overall. And that metric dropped to 1.76, which was number 49 overall in 2022. And I, that, I'm assuming that had something to do with um, uh, target accuracy and things like that. But I, I believe Deontay Johnson, we're going to see more of that 2021 form, especially considering I, I don't see George Pickens really pushing him a, a, as the alpha. Um, I just don't think George Pickens is that guy. I think he, he's not going to create the separation needed for Kenny Pickett. And I just think Deontay Johnson is one of the cheapest high-end wide receiver twos with wide receiver one upside you can you can buy right now. So Deontay Johnson um, still had a ton of targets last year and I, with 147, and I don't see that changing. I think with Kenny Pickett taking a, a step forward, those targets are going to be uh, more accurate and – Deontay Johnson is going to return to that uh, 2021 form. I think I've said nice things about Deontay Johnson on like three of our last five episodes. So, you know, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you on that take. I'm He's a just screams positive regression for this season on the touchdown front. And with the targets coming in, coming in steadily, like they should be this year. Uh, I think he's just primed for a bounce back, you know, just, uh, just because he has to Aaron, what do you think on, uh, on Deontay? Yeah, I don't mind Deontay here um, for a buy candidate. Uh, you know, I think it's one where if I was looking for like maybe my last flex position, um, I, I need somebody who I want to count on from week to week, you know, getting those consistent points. Um, that's exactly the type of guy I'd want to I'd want to target because he gets the targets. Right. So um, definitely don't mind it. Uh, but I want to I want to sell the farm on him, but I would definitely target him to try to get a um, you know, under the radar trade where you're just kind of securing your lineup here before the season starts. Ethan, quickly talk to us about the price point that you want to buy in on Deontay Johnson at. Yeah, the point of these buys is that we're hoping that we're hoping to get these guys on the cheap. Um, I, I would hope I would I would like to send a, a second or two to, uh, to the Deontay Johnson manager and, and, and acquire his, his talents, but I understand, especially before the season a manager seeing a second in their inbox for a guy like Deontay Johnson, or, or even as Aaron alluded to with a trail on Burks, it, it's probably not going to move the needle. But like, as I was talking with, even with Travis ETN, I, I mentioned like taking like an if it was an early, projected early first or a chance to have be an early first, you look at those players that you can acquire in the 2024 draft and you fast forward to the 2024 draft and the, the rookie, the rookie, the rookie draft and the rookie hype, there's no way you're going to be able to move like a Travis ETN for, for a top five pick that um, when uh 2024 rookie hype is underway. And that's why I wouldn't want to move a 24 first for a Deontay Johnson or a Traylon Burks. So I would hope to acquire 
Um, his terraces with a with a twenty four second, maybe maybe two seconds. But um, I, I definitely wouldn't want to. That's not how I would want to use a first to acquire a guy like Deontay or Traylon Burks. But those are guys that we're talking about buying because we think we can get them on the cheap. Yeah, I think you're probably better off throwing another young, maybe another young receiver in there along with a second round pick to hopefully agree to hopefully close that gap. But let's go. Let's go to a young receiver of my own that I'm pretty bullish on for 2023 and hopefully beyond. That's Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos. Uh, that's what's going to make Ethan very happy because he's a lifelong Jerry Judy guy. Three firsts. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to sell my Judy shares to, uh, to, to Ethan immediately. Uh, but he's DLF's WR28. He's only 24 years old. Uh, entering year four, uh, he has shown flashes in the past, but he hasn't fully popped yet. And admittedly, there is some risk here. that, But I think that is baked into his cost here at a, a WR3 price tag. And I'll be the first one to tell you that Sean Payton is overrated as an NFL head coach and, and not winning enough and wasting essentially the majority of Drew Brees' career from a wins and losses standpoint. But when it comes to fantasy, his offenses have been very friendly to the team's top wide receivers. And if anyone can fix the mess that was Russell Wilson last season, it's going to be an offensive mind like a Sean Payton. And we can point to the team's crowded wide receiver room all we want to entering the season, but Judy and rookie Marvin Mims are the only receivers that are really under contract beyond this year. And what I mean by that is that, that, that the team can get out from Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, get out of their contracts very easily, but just by moving on from them, cutting them outright, saving some money against the cap and doing so heading into 2024. Then we have KJ Hamler and Marquez Callaway will be up completely free agents walking into the 2024 offseason. Uh, Jerry Judy, on the other hand, got the stamp of approval from the new regime when they picked up his fifth-year option, just ensuring that he'll get more, more than a one-year window to prove himself as the leader in this room. Um, that's not the, the case for Court and Sutton, like, the, like they, I mentioned with his contract situation. Uh, as for Judy's on-the-field performance, his PFF receiving grades increased every year since he entered the league in 2020, and at 78.4, that grade was good for 20th among wide receivers last season. Uh, we've been spoiled with some insane receiver performances right out of the gate from young players in recent years, but sometimes it really does just take a few years for receivers to develop. You know, this really was kind of the trend for a long time in fantasy football. Like year three was kind of pegged as a, as a big breakout year. And Judy's just 24 years old heading into year four. So he's trending in the right direction. Um, and as for where he's being utilized, he lined up all over the formation last year. You might have a, kind of a tendency to think he's a slot guy, but he actually played 51% of his snaps out wide compared to 49% in the slot. So he really does move around all over the place. So I do like to see those things from a team's what I think is going to be a team's top receiver because it is a lot of the times it's easier to scheme away from a premier defensive back if that defensive back does not travel into the slot. So he's not just going to be sitting on, on an island all day against like the number one or two corner in the league. So I like that. Get him away from those those, those elite defenders. And if you want to talk about fantasy production, there's a stretch of games between weeks 7 and 18 where Judy finished WR18 and half PPR scoring, and that's on a points-per-game basis. And all of this came in a broken offense last year where Judy was basically the lone bright spot on that side of the ball. Um, and as a WR3 at that price tag, I'm willing to take a shot a shot here, just kind of betting on Sean Payton to turn the Broncos around, at least make them an average unit, which I think is all that the offense is going to need to do for Judy to be very fantasy viable this season. Uh Aaron, any thoughts on Judy before I talk about the price point? Um, yeah, Judy, he's one where I think I've, you know, on episodes a while ago, I think I did mention that um, he could, could be a potential bust uh, candidate just um, 
for the fact of where, you know, what capital you have him at, right? So um, if you have him, um, I would I would definitely not sell him, right? So I don't think he's going to, you know, reproduce the same seasons that he has in the past. But um, it's one where I would just do the wait-and-see approach with him. I think he, um, this, out of all years, as you mentioned, year three, um, this would probably be the year to um, at least hold him. Um, but then on the alternative route, I wanted, um, I wanted, you know, go out and sell a whole bunch of assets to get him just in, in, in case there is that, um, you know, disbursement of the wide receiver core over there in Denver and, and Tim Patrick soaks up all the touchdowns in, in 2023. So, uh, you know, there, there's a couple, uh, you know, they, Denver really needs to turn it around this year. And um, all I'm saying is it could possibly be a risk if you want to go out and get him. But if you have him, definitely keep him. Ethan, I know you're high on Jerry Judy and you're probably just going to agree with most of what I just said. So instead, I'll just have you react to the to the price point here that I'm willing to pay for him. And I can kind of hem and haw here and say, well, there's some risk. And you know, I'd be willing to pay a second for him. But I'm going to be bolder than that on this. If I'm a contending team and I'm confident in my team that I'm going to be making a serious run at a championship this season, then I'd be willing to pay a future first round pick for this guy. I'm going to start with the 2025 first, of course, to see if I can, you know, keep my 24 first and what looks like it's going to be a good class. But if I'm a contending team and it really came down to a 24 first or bust, and this is kind of like the best option available on the market after I did my due diligence on that front, then I'm going to send that late 2024 first out for a Jerry Judy. And that might surprise some people, but look, I'm not playing the, if I'm, if I want to win now and I'm high on a guy and I think he can score points for me this season, like I'm just going to go pay for it because like, yeah, good. Like that late first round pick might turn into someone like a Chris Olave and be great. It could also be Jalen Rager too. And as if the rest of my team is ready to rock and roll, I'm not playing the waiting game. I'm going to get in the guy I'm high on. He's a young player who's going to, going to be in the league for a while. And as soon as, as long as he hits this season, I'm going to be happy with the production that he gives me going forward. Ethan, what are your thoughts on the price point? No, I think that's a fair price point. I know we talked about future 2024 first with, with Ayuk a couple episodes ago. And uh, I, I, mentioned that I would probably have the flexibility of the, of the pick. Um, we were talking about a later 2024 first, but I can definitely, as much as that, that decision pain me, I I'm kind of in the same predicament. And I, I think just thinking about it a little longer, I can definitely see giving a 2024 first for a guy like Jerry Judy. If, if your team, if you truly think if you, if you are, um, if you can look at, look at your team objectively and you think you have legit, chance to win it all like uh, you're gonna you're gonna be a top three top four team i can definitely see moving your 2024 first i mean just looking at the 2023 draft class that that got all the hype in the world until the nfl draft came and went and 2023 first started losing value because we saw we saw how much weaker this class was than um we were told it was going to be and we're, we're talking about guys going in the back end of the first round that I would definitely take a Jerry Judy. I would definitely take a Brandon Ayuk over, over some of those players. So if you're confident in your team, I can definitely see moving on um, from your 2024 first for a guy like Jerry Judy. Uh, I would definitely would rather move my 25 first uh, just because you just lose the flexibility with your roster, but it also depends 
when you're kind of making this move too. If I mean, if you're making that move right now in July, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, injuries pop up in the season, but if you're making that move kind of in the season, you, you, you see how things start to shake out and you're approaching the deadline and your team's a legit contender. I can definitely see moving your 2024 first for a guy like uh, a guy like Jerry Judy. Yeah. There's some, there's certainly some risk picked into that, but I, I think uh, as, as, as much as we want to take a long-term view in dynasty, as much as we want to say like these picks are going to accrue in value, which they will, uh, there is definitely an element of not forsaking the, the present, like going for those, going for those championships while your your window is open to do so because the picks aren't a guarantee either. Um, so I think we all agree on that, but that's enough positivity for for now. Let's go back to the negative guys here, Aaron. Let's jump back to uh, to some of the guys that you want to sell this offseason. Who do you got for us? All right. Um, I love this one because I know I'm going to be up against a fence here. Um, not going to be the popular popular opinion here. Um, uh, but I'm going to sell, uh, Danny dimes here, here, uh, Daniel Jones. Um, I do need to remind you guys, uh, of a stat line. So I know, um, I know he was kind of everybody's wonder boy taking the giants, um, you know, to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, getting that big contract. Right. But, um, look guys, he, he threw for 3,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. Right. And his biggest appeal is obviously that running game running for uh, 700 yards and seven touchdowns. All right. Um, so the seven touchdowns obviously is a big number that sticks out there. Um, that is one more from Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen had six last year. So, um, you know, that's a huge outlying stat where I think we've gone on record where I think we've said that, you know, it's not good to rely on touchdowns, especially from a, um, a quarterback running the ball. Um, you know, Daniel Jones did do a lot uh, to put the team on his back. Um, we have mentioned, hey, he didn't have that many weapons uh, last year or, or anyone really, right? You know, just, um, you know, scout team wide receivers with Hodgins and, you know, good stories there. Um, you know, so they they did want to rebuild that offense. They got Darren Waller. Um, and then I, I, I guess the the popular opinion is that to say, oh, well, his his numbers were go up because they're they're adding weapons. Well, um, I'm going to, I guess, just throw out a couple scenarios. Right. So it so I guess on that note, you know, to say, OK, Darren Waller comes to the mix. He has six, six touchdowns on the air. Right. So um, would it be fair to say that he'd maybe go from 15 passing touchdowns to 20 this year? Would you guys say just a, as a fair estimate? At least, if not more. Yeah. Okay. So about five. Well, I'm just saying a conservative five more than last year, right? Um, but do you think there's an alternative to that, right? So if you're passing more, you're getting a little more efficient passing the ball with Waller with with weapons. Um, would it be fair to say that he cannot replicate the seven rushing touchdowns on the air and uh, maybe runs for like four or five? Would that be also fair to say? Yeah, rushing touchdowns are hit or miss from year to year. So sure, he could end up with four. That's that's in the realm of possibilities. Okay, so just out of a, a scenario, and I know I'm just making that up, but really the delta there is only adding two more uh, fantasy points. But um, yeah, out of that, right? So if you're if you're if your league is you know a four point passing touchdown league, uh, uh, compared to six, obviously that's going to sway a little bit differently. But um, 
you know, a lot of leagues out there is the four points in, in a lot of those uh, formats out there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my theme right here is um, his rushing may, you know, may go down, whereas his passing goes up, which actually is a negative adverse in, in, in fat fantasy, right? Um, but let's just say he stays fat, uh, flat with uh, his stats, right? Let's say he replicate, replicates his exact numbers. Uh, he was a top 10 uh, QB. Um, scoring 294 points in a four four point passing um, uh, quarterback league, um, you know that that's actually um, usually outside of the top ten. I know I mentioned injuries um, last year to some t- key quarterbacks, but um, even if you take injuries out, you go. You know, I, I kind of went back to 2019, right? So 2021 sub 300. Uh, fantasy points from a quarterback would have been QB 12 2020 would also be QB 12 um, tied with Matt Ryan. Um, and then 2019, he would have actually tied Patrick Mahomes with 290, 290 points, but that was the year that Mahomes only put only played 14, 14 games. Right. So um, I guess what I'm saying is his stats weren't that nuclear, right? Like he's not that eye popping when you throw out other, other years of top, you know, top elite quarterback play where really, you know, top five guys, you want high 300s, 400 point years to really be game changing quarterbacks. Um, So above that, when you're, when you're relying on a running quarterback, he actually scored under 15 points a game seven times last year. Right. And he was healthy the whole year. So, you know, that's also, you know, I look forward to wanting at least 15 for my quarterback every week and really being that depending on the running game. I really don't like that being that he only threw for 15 touchdowns. So, um, yes, uh, rushing is sexy, but it's also, um, you know, uh, I guess boomer bust from week to week too. So um, that's why I've kind of been on record where I I, I don't like the risk there. I, I do like the rushing numbers. Maybe super flex is if he's your second quarterback and your team is, um, you know, pretty strong throughout and you can kind of afford those boomer bust weeks. But if you're looking for solid, you know, consistent points, I honestly would sell Danny Gimes at the top of his, um, you know, hype right now, preseason. Uh, definitely try to get uh, what you can get out of him, get out of him, and I would, uh, I would try to move away from him. So, who would like to, who would like to go first there? Like I said, I know it's unpopular opinion. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, I can chime in here. So. I get what you're saying with, with the rushing. Hey, if you take away the rushing, Hey, Danny dimes, wasn't that impressive, but I mean, what would Justin Fields be if you took his rushing away? He, he wouldn't be in the league right now. (laughs) Um, I just think in fantasy football, we're looking for those Konami code quarterbacks, those quarterbacks that can do both. And Daniel Jones is one of those guys, Daniel Jones. I know you alluded to it, but had nobody to throw the ball to. I mean, I'm a New England Patriots, New England Patriots fan. And everybody's always complaining that, oh, Mac Jones doesn't have the weapons. Well, if Mac Jones didn't have have weapons, what was Danny Dimes working with? I think I think me, you, and the commish out there would be uh, would be better at times than the cast of characters they had out there. Obviously, I'm being being sarcastic, but it's a we're talking about Richie James, we're talking about Darius Slayton, Daniel Bellinger. I, I mean, we're, they. they 
he had absolutely nobody to throw the football to. And now your second year in the day ball offense, I think he's going to take a step forward there. You, you brought in some weapons. I think if Darren Waller can be healthy, I think that's going to be massive for Danny Dimes. I mean, bring in Paris Campbell. Can he stay healthy? You, you, you draft Jalen Hyatt in the third round. I mean, you still have some pieces there. And I, I, I forgot to mention Isaiah Hodgins, who, who, who had a pretty – um, nice uh, season for a uh, practice squad player on the Bills for, for the Giants. But I just think if Daniel Jones has more weapons and the defense has to focus on more of these weapons and it opens up some of these lanes and, and, and Daniel Jones can pass the ball more effectively and efficiently, I think it may open up the, uh, the running lanes even more for him. I think he had to run so much last year because honestly he had to do whatever it took to win games and he he tried to do everything he could try to put the team on his back because he just didn't have the offense around him. I, I think Daniel Jones, in my opinion, based on kind of where I see him going, even in startups or this and that, it, I think he can be looked at as a buy considering he's probably a back end QB one. And he's definitely a guy I would be, I would be comfortable with as my QB two in a super flex uh, format. And that's, where I come in too, like he's currently QB 16 on dynasty league football. And so, so you can't have him in there as a QB. He's even being drafted after the young, uh, young quarterback, certainly Anthony Richardson, Bryce young and CJ Stroud too. So you could even get your hands on those guys and then potentially backload it with Daniel Jones. And I see what you're coming from on the rushing air. And it's a good point. It's a good analysis, but I'll, I'll say like, I just think there's some room for this giants team to just score more touchdowns than they did a season ago. Like, yes, if you turn some of those passes, those rushing touchdowns into passing touchdowns, it's not quite as attractive. But the Giants as a team were in the bottom third of the league an offensive touchdown scored a season ago. So I think it's still based on some of the moves that they've made this offseason. And just Dan- Daniel Jones being in his second year with Brian Dayball, I think there's going to be some natural progression where they can jump up because they have some room to grow in this department in scoring more touchdowns. So that's where I see it on Jones. And I think at the price point, it's – it's um. I, I can maybe see it how like you think he's pretty stagnant there, but if you're, if you were going to sell him right now, Aaron, I guess, what would you, what would you be looking to get in return if you're moving on from Jones now? Honestly. Um, I mean, I would take, I would take golf straight up over Daniel Jones. Um, and which I know is not also in a popular opinion, but golf puts up consistent numbers. I, I really you know, looking at it at a season, I really hated to see that he scored sub 15 seven times, right? Like that can be detrimental to fantasy if you want to make the playoffs. Yes, like on his big weeks, you know, running 80, 80 plus rushing yards and scoring touchdowns. Yes, he's going to win you weeks, but I would rather take consistency over the sporadic points. So I think golf, for instance, is safer and you can, you know, we talk startups a while back, I would actually take golf in a later round or even trade for golf and another player um, away from Danny Dimes there. Yeah, I think there's room for that. If you if you do feel that way, I mean, golf is ranked QB 25 on DLF compared to Daniel Jones, like I said, QB 16. So we're talking nine spots different here. If you do feel that way, I mean, you could you could probably get something decent coming back along with golf for Daniel Jones. So I don't necessarily hate that depending on the piece that you're coming back. Ethan, any final thoughts on this one before uh, you talk about your sale candidate? Yeah, just speaking about golf, I don't think that's a 
drastic take at all, considering if it is like a six point passing touchdown league, because golf plays in a much more efficient, uh, high, high profile offense. But I would still take uh, Daniel Jones over Jared Goff. I mean, Daniel Jones uh, just got a contract. Um, we don't know what the future holds for Jared Goff. In my opinion, I think the Lions are going to probably lock him up. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future, but I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, a crazy take, but as the commission alluded to, if I'm making a trade for, if I'm sending my Daniel Jones for Jared Goff, I, I would definitely want some on top of the Jared Goff side. And if you think like that and, and you have Daniel Jones in your team and you, you probably, that's a move you probably could make. For sure. I, I agree on that that front as well. Ethan, tell us who you're moving on from right now in, in uh, Dynasty. Yeah, a little lower profile uh, running back here. James Cook, RB25, according to DLF, overall 78. He's a sell because I, I think after this year, his value is going to be nuked. So if you want to get any value out of James Cook, I think now is the time to sell with, with the community or – or anyone who thinks that he may be the guy this year. I just don't think that's going to happen in the Buffalo Bills offense. All he really had to compete with last year was Devin Singletary and Naheem Hines after they acquired him from the Indianapolis Colts. And he only had a 24.4% snap share. Uh, he only had a 6% target share, which just tells us, I mean, everything we have, we already know about a Josh Allen, that offense, he just doesn't target the running back. And the Buffalo Bills brought in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Damian Harris and Latavius Murray are two down grinders. You, you don't move on from Singletary, then bring in two bruisers to not use them on first and second down. Damian Harris, as much as I think he's kind of just an average NFL running back, he, he can be uh, a decent first and second down guy. I mean, we, we saw him uh, in New England for a few years, and he, he can be – uh, somewhat successful in that role. So I, ju I just think um, with James Cook, I know he was a rookie last year, but he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't beat out Singletary last year. And I know, I know James Cook was pretty efficient running the ball. He had averaged 5.77 yards per carry, which was great, but that's what it's going to take for, for James Cook to be relevant. He needs to be insanely efficient in the run game and the pass game, because he's just not going to get the volume. Um, he's, probably fourth in line in terms of goal linebacks with, I mean, Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, and, and obviously we have Josh Allen there. And is James Cook going to get the requisite work on the ground on first and second down? Probably not with hit with his BMI. And I don't think he's going to see the, the targets. I, I mean, they draft him in the second round and he had the profile to be the passing down running back on that team. And as I uh, said earlier he had a six percent target share so we'll have to see what the future holds for james cook but 6.3 fantasy points per game last year did not set the world on fire and honestly i think he's in a similar situation you basically remove singletary and you replace or you replace singletary with damon harris and latavius murray and you basically run it back so i just think this is the last call to sell james cook before people just come to the realization that he's just a satellite back with a little plus. Aaron, I know you're more of a James Cook believer than Ethan is. So go ahead and uh, jump <laughs> in here with your, your points on, on your guy, James Cook. 
Yeah, I I guess I've been on record. I, I do love James Cook. Um, I do actually think he's got a lot of writing on the wall to have a breakout year. Um, you know, well, hey, I guess I'll go on the record, say I'm on, on vacation right now, guys. I don't have my, my notes in front of me with James Cook, but um, I do know that um, he is – last year he was, uh, I believe, one of the top – I want to say top five or top 10 most dynamic running backs. Um, I forget the actual title of that stat, but basically saying when, when the, when he gets the, his hands on the ball, he can, he can do uh, some dynamic things. Right. And um, I think, you know, part of that is just as high yards per carry. And then when he gets um, receptions, right. And making, making players miss at the rate that he, at the rate that he can. Right. Um, mentioning Damian Harris, I think, what I think will take away from James Cook is obvious running, uh, running downs where they just want to give um, Josh Allen a breather, right? Where you know a lot of third and shorts and whatnot, they you know they were they were running the ball with Josh Allen. I think that's going to be more Harris's role. Where I actually do believe they're going to try to have James Cook be an every down back in Buffalo, uh, just for the amount of. Um, you know, the high rate of pa- you know, high passing rate that Buffalo does, right? So I think they want a receiver on the field, and Harris would really not be a very useful uh, back back there, right, with, uh, with Allen, right? So um, I do think Cook gets involved a lot more. Um, you saw it towards the end, you know, the final stretch of the season last year. Um, I mean, I, I know those are a couple takes, but um, I think he'll mostly get maybe goal line carries taken away from him but i do think he will have um uh you know be a part of a lot you know uh, i guess like a high snap percentage so we all agree on the goal line it sounds like between damian harris latavius murray and josh allen in there it's gonna hurt cook there for sure what so what a guy like james cook needs then is to be uber efficient like ethan referenced and need to catch a lot of passes and he if you look at what buffalo has done with their like receiving backs. They just haven't that production hasn't really been there because they're utilizing Josh Allen's legs. Like the guy has over 700 rushing yards in each of the last two seasons. And he has a combined 13 rushing touchdowns in the over that time frame as well. So like what we need here, what we need to see in order for that to emerge for James Cook is a philosophical shift from both the team and most importantly from Josh Allen. Like they can they can get in Josh's ear and say, hey man, you're too important to our franchise. You need to stop running around between the 20s and getting hit all the time. And you need to check down to your running backs. And for, you know, six months of the offseason, Josh Allen can say, yep, totally agree. I want that too. That's great. And then the first snap on, on in September comes and he's like, no, man, I've been taking off running my whole life. I'm going to keep doing it. So it can be harder for those run first or those run heavy quarterbacks to kind of flip that script and start checking the ball down. And Allen has mentioned that he wants to do more checking down in the past. And if so, that could open up an opportunity for James Cook in a high scoring offense, then I, I could see that. But so far I, I need to actually watch Josh Allen do that before I, I really buy in on, on a James Cook. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just, we'll finish it out with this Aaron. Like quickly, what, what are you looking to pay for James Cook? If you're buying in on him right now? Ooh, um, <laughs> I would probably go with a vet. So I don't know, maybe his brother Dalvin, right? <laughs> I'd probably say, uh, I know he, he hasn't signed uh, signed yet, but um, if Dalvin gets a decent uh, gig somewhere, that would be a perfect trade to me. I would, 
knowing that let, let's say for instance if Dalvin signs with the Dolphins he could have a great year but I don't mind uh trading the Cook brothers for for baby Cook baby Cook all right, Aaron's all, all about cooking over there on vacation with his uh with the cook for cook swap. So okay, yeah, that's all that's all yeah, I just, well and good. Ethan, you wanna you wanna jump in there quickly before we move on? Yeah, just quickly. Um I know I know we talked uh, I, uh Aaron talked about his efficiency and he and he he's right. I mean you just look at a couple of metrics, true yards per carry, which true yards per carry discounts all runs greater than 10 yards, which puts a premium on consistency. So he had 5.3 yards, true yards per carry, which was number two overall. Then he had yards per touch, 6.3, number three overall. And then breakaway run weight, run rate, which is a percentage of carries of 15 or more yards, which is 12.1% of his runs, which was actually number one overall. So he, he was very efficient when he had the ball, but all that amounted to was a PPR, half point PPR finish of RB44, which obviously he didn't have a great, opportunity share but i guess my whole point was that efficiency needs if that efficiency falters he's gonna have he's gonna need a huge tick uptick in volume to, to stay relevant and i do think he's he's gonna get an increase in volume i i and if he gets an increase in volume is that efficiency going to stay the same probably not so it, it's definitely it, it's definitely uh a tough bet for me, especially for a running back that's only 190 pounds, uh, to be to be the guy in Buffalo. So uh, that's just that's just kind of how I feel about James Cook. Yeah, we can put a pin in James Cook talking and, and just move on to my last sell here. And I'm going to go to the quarterback position. I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers, DLF QB 18. He turns 40 years old towards the end of this upcoming season. And off the top, I want to say that this is much more of a one QB opinion than a true super flex take. If you're acquiring him in Superflex to be your second or quarterback behind a, a stud QB, or if he's your third guy, ideally, then he's probably going to give you what you're looking for at a relatively reasonable price tag given his age. Now, in his heyday, Aaron Rodgers was a rock star, whether it's Superflex, 1QB, whatever. The guy finishes the QB1 11 times in 14 years as a starter. Like, that's ridiculous. But those days are over. And in his two years with Nathaniel Hackett, Rodgers, uh, they worked together for 2020 and 2021. Like, the Packers... They were below average and lead in snaps per game. And when the team runs at a slower pace, it just means fewer opportunities uh, to score points. And I know it didn't keep Rodgers down at that point from a production standpoint, but if you look at the Green Bay defense, the, the, they were middle of the pack units in both of those seasons, meaning that the offense had to keep pace. So even though they were going at a slower rate, they did have to throw the ball, and which is why you saw big totals for Rodgers and Devontae Adams. This Jets team, on the other hand, is not a middle-of-the-pack defense. They're not a bad defense. They were second in the league in points per game allowed in 2022. So the Packers are likely going to be in a lot less negative game scripts than they were in the past. And even in neutral game scripts, like they're, they could still have, have the opportunity to run slower if they choose to do that and continue that theme from Green Bay. So we're looking at a slow-paced offense that won't be playing from behind a lot. So where does the fantasy production come from? One potential avenue for that is the rushing production, something Rodgers used to be good at. But in the last four years, he's posting rushing totals of 183 yards, 149 yards, 101 yards, and 94 yards last season. Those marks were the lowest of his career in campaigns in which he played a full season. So we see this a lot with the age. Like The guys that used to run a lot, they tend not to run a lot as they get older. And I mentioned he's turning 40 at the end of this season. Like 4-0, that's a big number. 
The track record of quarterbacks age 40 or older in fantasy isn't great outside of Tom Brady, who's like the outlier of all outliers. The guy was a freak. He played until he was 45. He was finishing as a top three quarterback at age 44. So if you take him out of the sample size, so we don't skew the data completely here, you know, we don't have a ton of QBs hanging around to this, to this range, but here's what we know. Since 2009, all quarterbacks not named Tom Brady age 40 or older have combined for a total of five seasons and only once did one of those quarterbacks return a quarterback one season. And in the other four cases, the 40-year-old quarterback missed time with injury in that season. So is Rodgers going to be another outlier in this? It's possible, but we've already shown signs of decline last season. Like in 2022, he had just two weeks of QB1 production. Those were a, That was a QB12 finish in Week 7 and a QB10 finish in Week 10. So not even those performances were really truly helping you win games in one QB formats. If I'm contending in the, that type of league, I want leap, I want weak winning upside that I can get from like 10 to 12, maybe even 15 other guys. And I just don't believe that Rodgers has that in him any longer. So I am willing to to sell him for whatever I can get for him at this stage. Uh, Ethan, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. Aaron Rodgers definitely took a dip in production last season, but I can definitely see the other side of the coin where he's he's going to a new team. Maybe he's re- revitalized. He ha- he has a hell of a cast of characters to, to throw the ball to. So I can definitely see him having a QB one season. But obviously, as you alluded to, the the age at forty, the the history that that comes with that dreaded four zero does not favor Aaron Rodgers unless you're the goat Tom Brady. So. Um, I, Aaron Rodgers definitely wasn't the same last year. Um, so I'm definitely, I'm I'm definitely curious to see how he's going to be, be in New York. If he can kind of turn back the clock a couple of years and be the Aaron Rodgers of old. I I definitely think that is a possibility because I do think he has, um, a great cast around him. So I can, I can kind of see both, both sides. I don't, I don't want to kind of play both sides of the fence here, but, um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling Aaron Rodgers is going to have a decent year this year, but um, it's probably the last time you can sell Aaron Rodgers for anything of relevance, because especially if he comes comes out and has a mediocre year like you're projecting a commish. So I can definitely see why he'd be a sell candidate because right now his his value is definitely definitely up considering he went to New York and he has guys like Garrett Wilson and company to throw the ball to. So I uh, I can definitely see why he'd be a sell. I do think he has a decent year, but um, time will tell. Yeah, I I actually I'm gonna relate it back to when we were talking around the trade time. Is I I, I said I, I think everything depends on if he shows up to training camp, right? Because I I think this time last year he was very um, upset with uh, the the Packers, uh, wasn't showing up to any you know pre-camps or training camps or anything like that um so i'm i I think he is kind of a man on a mission to kind of have a bounce back year but you know we are talking dynasty so i do think if you can sell him is the right move to make um you know i mean shoot take a stab at like sam howell or somebody like that right honestly like i do think um, as, as Ethan said, I do think he can be, um, you know, top, top 12, have a top 12 finish this year, but yeah, age 40 season. Um, I mean, you, you, we're, yeah, talking dynasty, you gotta be thinking about what, what are you going to do to trade him? So, 
um, now is probably your best time to trade him. Yeah, I I don't see a top twelve finish coming this season. I I really don't. Like, there's just looking at the list of quarterbacks here, um, for just for tw- even just for twenty twenty three. Like, I don't see it. There's probably probably fifteen to seventeen quarterbacks I would take ahead of him in redraft and probably in dynasty as well because, like I said, he's forty years old. Like, you, you don't have a long runway with a guy like an Aaron Rodgers, and obviously the guy's mental state is always something that you, that's in question and you can never really bank on. Um, as far as price point, if it's a super flex league, I would take any first round pick I could get for him for sure. And I could maybe even be talked into like an early future second with another, maybe a distant second tacked on on top of that. And one QB I'd be willing to sell for a second, assuming I had a reliable backup option uh, behind ideally a higher profile quarterback. So those are my price points. We Let's go. Let's do a speed round here on the buys to kind of close this out here. Uh, Ethan, who's the, who's the last player that you want to buy? Yeah, quickly, my last player is Christian Kirk, wide receiver 37, according to DLF ADP, overall player 72. He'll uh, turn 27 in November, and he was wide receiver wide receiver 11 in half-point PPR last year. I just think he his price point is down because the addition of Calvin Ridley. I just think there's plenty enough targets to go around for Christian Kirk to be relevant. They um, Trevor Lawrence had 584 pass attempts last year, which was seventh overall. Um, a guy like Zay Jones was wide receiver 26 uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars with 82 catches on 121 targets. I think that's the player that's going to get nuked with, with Calvin Ridley. And honestly, who who knows what Calvin, who knows how Calvin Ridley is going to come back. He hasn't played in a while. I mean, even if he is the Calvin Ridley of old, I still think Christian Kirk is a very safe wide receiver two floor with wide receiver one upside week to week. I, I, as I alluded to with Travis Etienne, ETN isn't the safety valve for, for uh, Trevor Lawrence. I believe that's going to be Christian Kirk who played the third most uh, snaps out of the slot last year. I think he's going to be the check down guy for Trevor Lawrence. And I think he's still going to maintain his role. He had 133 targets last year. I don't really see that dipping too much. So in my opinion, there's no reason why there's no reason why Christian Kirk should be valued at wide receiver 37, a wide receiver three when he's coming off a wide receiver one performance. Completely agreed on Kirk. I don't have anything really to add on that. Aaron, if you want, give us like 30 seconds on Kirk and then jump into your last buy. Yeah, no, not not a whole lot to disagree with Kirk. I think, you know, I think you really just got to figure out, um, you know, what um, what Ridley's going to do to the mix. And I actually tend to agree with Ethan. I think uh, Lawrence is going to go with what he uh, is familiar with and what he built on from last year. So I actually think really will be a pleasant surprise and have a good season. But I do think Kirk remains that uh, top target hog um, over there. Right. So I think if you can get your mind over thinking that way, definitely buy in on Kirk. Uh, with that being said, my last buy candidate, you know, I, I wanted to sell uh, Danny Dimes. I'm going to talk another quarterback here. I'm going to a um, to a here um, really with, with him he was off to just an amazing start with hit with a 40 point um you know week and week two with the six touchdowns um really you know you saw what the the Miami offense of the whole um Tyree kill trade and you know what 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 speed does right you know speed speed kills and uh you know I think preseason they 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 were saying okay how, how's his arm gonna hold up and and whatnot so um obviously with the Mike McDaniel um, offense. He, he just set up to just keep moving the ball over there in Miami. It's really just the health concern where I think Ethan mentioned a couple weeks back, a couple episodes back where 
Um, you know, obviously, if that doesn't get in his way with uh, some of the concussions he's had, um, I do think um, he's just going to keep tearing it up on that Miami offense. So, um, you know, when he was on the field, he's averaging about 19 points per game um, on pace for over that 300, um, you know, 300 points on the year. So that's kind of that that mark that I, you know, usually set for my quarterbacks if they can get over that 300 mark. So, um, you know, only, only three times below 15 points. And uh, I think he, you know, he gets all of his weapons back with um, the additions of Akine and then possible rumblings of Dalvin Cook. I think, um, I think Tua is set up to have, um, you know, a pretty solid year. Any quick thoughts on Tua heading into 2023, Ethan? Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, Aaron there. Tua is a second-round startup pick. He's a multi-first-level asset if he didn't have health concerns. The health concerns, you, you, you're you either in one camp or the other. You either don't want anything to do with Tua or you're buying back in. If Tua is healthy, he's going to be a QB1 with, the, with those offensive weapons. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Tua is going to help you win a championship in Superflex if he stays healthy, but obviously – one more concussion, it might be it. He he was contemplating retirement in this offseason, which is why his value is suppressed, and which is value is which is why his value is probably never going to reach um, those elite levels, just because there is always that injury concern uh, in the back of uh, fantasy managers' heads. Yeah, as a contender, I want a, a reliable, at least somewhat reliable, third option. If I have Tua as my QB, QB one or two uh, for for the reasons that you guys mentioned, but I'm really high on the guy. Like he's going to be one of those players. That's, that's uh, extremely effective when he's out there, but you're always going to be holding your breath every time he takes a big hit for sure. Um, but overall, if I had to pick it, I'd say I'm in on, on Tua. Uh, let's go to my last guy that I'm in on here. And I've actually spent this off season getting all the shares of cam Akers that I can get my hands on. Certainly in the leagues that I'm competing in. Like, I don't, I know he doesn't have much certainty beyond this upcoming season, but if he's my third running back, which is RB26 price tag on DLF would indicate, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And the reason is because the running back position now more than ever is pretty volatile in Dynasty. And when we're talking about your third or your fourth running back, like you need to take some shots on some guys that have a little bit, of, don't have the, the cleanest track record. And at, at this cost, like Akers, if he doesn't work out, it's probably not going to sink your team. Um, but I do think he does fit the mold for a player that uh, has burned managers in the past and it's being held against him, which is why his cost is depressed to the territory that it is. Obviously in 2021, he tore his Achilles in July. You know, he looked bad when he came back that same season, which wasn't a complete shock, but it was out there on the, on their way to a championship. He wasn't, he wasn't himself for sure. And then last season he fell into Sean McDay's McVay's doghouse in a kind of head scratching fashion, like right out of the gate. Like I remember that first game of the year, against the Rams or the Rams against the Bills, rather, you know, he, we thought Cam Akers was in for a big workload and then he was essentially invisible. And then it just didn't get really any better from there, um, at least until the end of the season. But I think he's a player that falls into a camp where people just kind of want to see the negatives with them. And that type of thinking can create a buying opportunity for savvy fantasy managers. Um, so here's what we know, you know, what happened after he came out of the doghouse, like the Rams finally, finally decided they were going to lean into the running game at the end of the year and give the ball to Cam Akers, and he absolutely crushed. He finished RB4 overall at half PPR scoring between weeks 13 and 15. And by that time, like, he was competing for touches with guys like Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers. And guess what? Entering 2023, guess who the, the two guys immediately behind him on the depth chart? That would be Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers. Unless you think the sixth rounder, Zach Evans, or the corpse of Sony Michelle, 
are going to be uh, usurping Acres anytime later. He has a stranglehold on this job heading into 2023 with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford returning to help give the offense a boost. But don't just take my word for Acres' season last year. Like PFF graded him as the 14th best running back on the campaign. That was with all the all the uh, all the head scratching things that were going on for Acres during the early to mid parts of that of last season. So add all this up, and I see the advanced analytics crowd likes him. He has little competition for touches in an offense that's going to be better than it was last year. The last thing we saw him do was produce at an elite level in a broken offense, and he could be had at a relatively affordable price tag. He's a definition of everything I'd like to see in a buy-low candidate. I'm excited to see what 2023 has in store for this guy. Aaron, any thoughts on Cam Akers? Um, no, I like Cam Akers specifically uh, just for the competition that you brought up, right? I think he's going to be the lead guy regardless of how the Rams season goes. Um, that's usually where my head goes secondly is what, how the Rams going to do overall. Uh, this year is a little concerning uh, kind of hearing they were like the true definition of a win now team kind of now trading way Ramsey. And then there, you know, there was some news that they, uh, that they um, tried to trade Matt Stafford in the off season as well. So that came out recently. So um, with running backs, I alluded to that. I do kind of look at um, what I think the overall team success is going to look like. Um, Cause that usually translates into touchdowns, right? So um i think the combination of the two i think it, it is good that he doesn't have a whole lot of competition behind him so um that's my overall feel over acres so i think if you have him you should be happy for him or if you can get a sneaky trade for him he should uh, make you happy here in the 23 season Ethan, any thoughts on acres yeah, Sean McVay already came out and said Akers is gonna be a huge part of this offense. And I, I don't I don't see how he's not considering who's behind him, as the commission alluded to. Um, down the stretch, he didn't the last from weeks 15 through 18, he didn't have a snap share under 75%. He was the clear workhorse and it, it paid off with an RB23, RB1, RB14, and RB10 finish. So I think uh, that's gonna be potentially the norm uh next year. He's definitely going to get the volume, and we all know volume is king in fantasy. Unfortunately, the offense may be a little poor, as um, Aaron Aaron was uh, talking about. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Cam Akers, but I think he's going to get all the work he can handle, and is definitely a a, a solid RB three uh, to have on your roster. Yeah, and just the very last thing on Akers that sample size I mentioned weeks thirteen through eighteen. Uh, the Rams actually were really bad by then. Like they had Baker Mayfield starting games for them. They actually went two and four in that stretch and averaged just 21 points per game to close out the season. That's with a 51 point game in there. It's really skewing the data. Uh, and they still lean into Cam Akers. So even if the offense isn't that great, even if kind of the that uh, going all in from a couple seasons ago really comes back to bite them here, I still think that Akers can do enough with volume in the short term to kind of make up for any deficiencies that the offense may have as well. But that was a really fun episode to run down um, all the, all the, all some good buy and sell candidates. The season really is approaching quickly here. So it's important to stay on top of these things. And uh, with tourney camp, just around the corner here, things are going to start to change in, in, in dynasty league. So this might be your last call on some of these players to, to go get them before more news starts circulating about these guys in their NFL camps. So Make sure you're st- sticking tuned to uh, Sunday Surefire. We're going to do more giving you guys, keep you guys updated with breaking news uh, or things that are going on around the league at the start of our episodes going forward. So make sure you're staying tuned to that. And until next time, folks, peace.